0: This Memorial Day, visit Guitar Center and save up to 40% on guitars, drums, keys, and more. With great deals like a Casio Digital Piano, just $299.99. AKG Headphones, just 29 dollars Or a Shure Mic, also just 29 dollars Check out the hottest new gear and exclusives you can't play anywhere else. Visit GuitarCenter.com for a coupon. Good for 15% off qualifying purchases of $199 or more. This Memorial Day weekend, save on the gear you need to get out and play. Find your sound at Guitar Center. Troy Nunes is an absolute podcast. It's the week two Syracuse football recap show. Corey Christen here with Julian Wiggum who called it. Yep, told you. Middle Tennessee State a 30 to 23 winner over the Orange at the Carrier Dome on Saturday and Julian where to begin? Uh, First off it's a defensive lapse by the Syracuse Orange. It's uh, quarterback Brent Stockstill of Middle Tennessee State, game managing, playing very well. Yeah. I mean, all around, Middle Tennessee State went out and they really deserved this victory.
1: Oh yeah, they, I mean they did a great job uh, coming out in this game. You know, Coach Shea coming back. I think Syracuse got caught up in Schaefer coming back. Schaefer was worried about getting the win. You could tell. You could tell he's had this one circled for at least a year now. You know, he came in prepared. The defense looked ready to go. Offense actually, the, the Middle Tennessee State's offense actually took a while to get, get going. I actually was really, very proud of um, Syracuse's defense. I'm excited to do the breakdown this uh, Wednesday. But, um, you know, Dungey couldn't get it going at all. Schaefer had his number. <laughs> the entire game it seemed like he could never find his rhythm. Where was Earl Phillips? He was sitting eating popcorn up in, you know, <laughs> the stands with me. <laughs> I'm just like, dog, where are the other receivers at? And then, again, this rushing attack, um, Dante Strickland, Mo Neal, 2.6 yards, 2.4 yards each. That, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. we got to find a way to run the ball. Offensive line still struggling. This offense is uh, it's,
0: it's sputtering right now, and they have to get it together soon. This is the second week in a row that Eric Dungy led Syracuse in rushing. 19 carries for 89 yards this week. And you mentioned that rushing attack. Strickland and Neal. Where does it go? Actually, they did combine for 45 yards on 17 carries. Where does it happen? Where does it go? Also, Steve Ishmael, you're right. Nobody else in that receiving course stepped up. Ishmael had 14 catches. I wouldn't have known that there were any other receivers on Syracuse's roster.
1: You know what? He had 14 catches, 116 yards, I think, total. You know, that's the, the most bloated stat line Ever and I love Steve, man. We I talk to him almost every other day. Um, you know, I always encourage him and keep telling him to keep going, but to be honest, I, that's the most overrated 14 catches, and 116 yards, probably in the history of college football. It's, it's just because he got targeted so often, there were several drops, incomplete passes. He was blanketed by middle Tennessee state corners who you would expect not to be able to keep up with him at this point, but that's that's just not good. And it's more so because. There's going to be better opponents down the line, and it's not good to see Syracuse struggle against this type of opponent
0: right now. I want to say this. Dungy attempted 42 passes on Saturday. He had 14 completions to Ishmael. Now, we can confidently say that about half the targets went to Ishmael. So with that said, if you're targeting one guy 50% of the time throughout the entire game, it makes it just that easier for the defense. Blanket coverage, double coverage, bring a safety over the top, and let the rest take care of itself. And especially as ineffective as Syracuse's rushing attack was, this was... Almost an easy call for Scott Schaefer.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, honestly, that's, that's part of his game plan, too. When he blitzes, he blitzes to stop the run. It's not initially to get after the quarterback. And then once the run game has been taken away and he knows, okay, they're definitely going to start going to the pass, especially in second and short situations as an indicator, and then later on on third down, like there was a third and one where they decide, Syracuse decided to throw the ball. Instead of running, that's, that's when Shave had Syracuse by the neck. <laughs> you yeah. know, but um, the whole point of that is that you want to s- shut down the run. And then once they're throwing the ball like that, you just sit back and wait. You know, Steve Ishmael, if you know they only have one guy, mm-hmm. you, you take him away. And then that's what happened to Dungey. He would look at, I remember there was a distinct play where Dungey looked at a seam. It was covered up. And then he didn't know what to do with the ball. Because he was afraid of the pressure mm-hmm. when you that's the worst thing for quarterbacks you get one look, one read, and then you have to take off because that's that's bad football you know and I mean to describe
0: last night poor just poor I would say so as well. the offensive effort was poor. We talked about it last week on the recap show, and you've read about it all week. The name of the game for Syracuse was up front, where it started up front. what they did last week versus uh, Central Connecticut State. They had to carry that this week against Middle Tennessee State, and that defensive line was the key for them. And I don't know. The offensive line, I think, for Middle Tennessee State, very inexperienced, and we just didn't capitalize on the defensive side either.
1: I've been on this defensive line for about a good 14 months. You know, I've been talking about them constantly saying the defensive line needs to get better. The defensive line needs to get better. The defensive line needs to get better. To get better. And it's very easy to criticize the second day because to the average guy, that's the only thing you see like, happen bad, right? And then all of a sudden, we start seeing better defensive line play. And the defense looks totally different. They look like a way better football team. And they, that first half was excellent football by them. You know, great pressure um, by a defensive line. Linebackers were making plays everywhere. You know, even in the passing game, the little wheel route that Bennett covered on Richie James, I didn't expect that out of him. You know, great job by him. Um, it Honestly, I think they just ran out of gas. Mm. I think that was the real reason for – um, Syracuse, de- Syracuse defense falling apart. And that's really been the story uh, for Syracuse defense really the past 10 years. It, was, it used to be the offense was never always that great, and the defense was trying to carry this team to a win. And I think Syracuse fans kind of got a little taste of that frustration tonight.
0: Ishmael's 14 catches did tie a program record for catches in a single game. But the first quarter, it was a 51-minute first quarter it was a baseball score 3 to 2 ball game after the first inning i mean defensive efforts were pretty good early on you saw them getting pressure on Stockstill, and you saw cornerbacks flying everywhere and rotating. That's what you want to see. But later on in the game, you got to credit Brent Stockstill for Middle Tennessee State in the game that he played at quarterback. I mean, he carved up this Q secondary later on, and we knew that this would be a vulnerable area for the Orange as well.
1: I mean, they made adjustments. You know, at halftime, usually that's when you start seeing a difference in the game. That third quarter, and then finally when everything sets in that fourth quarter, Stockstill he came out and started making plays. He saw what Syracuse gave him <laughs> everything they had. He adjusted to it, and then a great quarterback makes those adjustments and applies them to the game. Syracuse couldn't do that on their end. Dungy couldn't do that. Schaefer gave him a taste on in the first quarter, second quarter, and then he gave him a whole new taste in the third and fourth. Yep. He made adjustments as well. He's a great defensive coordinator. You know, honestly, I think this game is really, and he took the blame for it, it's on his shoulder. He, and I'm sure he was giving us coach speak saying, it's on me, it's on
0: me. Nah, fam, it was on you. That is on you. You were out-coached today. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to get into Coach Babers and his comments after the game. We knew that Scott Schaefer, he wanted this game. That's blatant fact. Did you see the photo after the game? There was, he was walking through the tunnels with a cigar in his mouth. He yeah. was ready. He was ready for this. Yeah. But Coach Baber's post-game presser really spoke to me because I feel like they knew this was coming. By this, I mean this stout effort by Middle Tennessee State in, in, in sort of a revenge game for Scott Schaefer as well. Coach Babers was ready, but I don't think they were really ready for what Middle Tennessee State, what they were doing as far as scheme-wise. Offensively, Middle Tennessee State could pretty much do whatever they wanted in that second half. Like you said, Syracuse's defense was gassed. And when Middle Tennessee State's being as effective as they are, and even Stockstill, he's getting out of the pocket and he's getting some carries and some yards running. That's going to slow you down and that's going to tire you out. Coach Babers was ready, but I don't know if he was necessarily prepared for this game.
1: Absolutely not. I'm sorry. He said he he didn't prepare his team for this emotional roller coaster. And the cool—I think the coolest part of this entire game is you could see, you could almost see Coach Schaefer playing through his defense. And what I mean by that is the little extra nudges at after plays. You could um, see—I think Chris Black got thrown by a defensive end after or offensive tackle end at the after uh, a play. I'm like, dang, man, these guys are just out here really ready to play. And it it all just seemed like Schaefer. And we didn't see this from Middle Tennessee State against Vanderbilt. No, They weren't looking like that. This was Scott Schaefer playing through his defense and sending a message the entire game, and Syracuse was not ready for that.
0: No, they weren't. And I know throughout the middle of the game, Eric Eric Dungy went down with an injury. You had to bring your backup quarterback in, and you had to adjust there. Um, but even so when that happens your rushing attack is supposed to step up and to put it simply it didn't so Syracuse has a lot of work to do next week you're getting there to your conference schedule you have to figure this thing out quickly the biggest thing for Syracuse is
1: and I I was harping on this a little uh, towards the end of last year and really in the preseason Syracuse is one-dimensional right now they have a passing attack that looks at the moment—it's called
0: Steve Ishmael. <laughs> <laughs> that's a passing yeah, attack.
1: Yeah, and and it was it was good to see what they could do against the Central Connecticut State team that really wasn't that great. Like it's good to see that they have or it seemed like they had options, but they fooled me. Mm-hmm. They sure did because I I'm writing articles about Jamal Custis and the year he's about to have. I'm thinking Irv Phillips is the most consistent thing in the world. Y'all tricked me i I cannot believe it. I've never been bamboozled in my life by a football team like that before because they they just completely fell, but Jamal Custis went missing. Yep. he he actually he really did. He got hurt. what What does this team have now? They don't have a passing attack either now. what? They can't run the ball, and I'm not even going to ask for them to start. Cause it's been it's been two weeks now. Fool me once, all right. Fool me twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, but we have. I need to see this team. I got to see this team do something against um, what is uh, Central Michigan next week? Because it's it's not looking good right now. And it, this is a team that a lot of people predicted actually make a bowl game this year. Yeah. So if, if if we're losing the Middle Tennessee State, it is not looking good, and they're gonna have to find a way to steal one on the road at some point.
0: Eight Middle Tennessee State. Defenders had over five total tackles. Seven players were in the books for at least half a sack for middle Tennessee State. So that defense was really flying everywhere. Blitz packages were on point. Jafer brought the heat against their dungy and of course, we know it worked out in his favor.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know what another part of this defense though um i I actually saw I think a safety led uh, middle Tennessee State and tackles he brought up his coverage usually his safeties play back around 10 12 yards you could actually see during the game that his safeties came up a little bit and now was to slow down because Syracuse like the quick passing game especially out of the slot receivers where Irv would usually be or um, Arabian Pierce sometimes he brought his safeties up for this game and they played a huge role in both the run and the pass and I thought that was a real good move by him with just a slight wrinkle in the game plan that ended up having a huge impact on the game.
0: You're going to face Central Michigan. A 2-0 and team just whooped Kansas on the road, 45-27. I know Kansas' program isn't up to speed with a lot of things. You have to look at it this way. You have a hungry MAC opponent, and you say what you want about the Mid-American Conference. I think MAC football is one of the best conferences in this country because of the le- the level of competition. They all play to each other. It's very competitive once you get in the conference play. Central Michigan has produced some pretty good NFL talent lately. Of course, Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh Steelers receivers there. So this school can produce some quality players. You got to be on your A game next week, and especially in a response game after losing the way you did this week.
1: You know, I played Central Michigan uh, twice: 2014, 2015. 2014, we had them pretty hand- handily, but they didn't have Rawls playing that game. In 2015, though, Central Michigan came in and they gave us a game. That quarterback really started to heat up, and we didn't have an answer for him. Um, and that told me this team can play. That was, that was really my first experience with a MAC team. And they do. They are competitive. They are. They have size. You know. Actually, Central Michigan. A lot of defensive linemen were saying they had a better um, offensive line than LSU did back then. And I think the same still holds true now. They know how to recruit. They know what kind of guys they need. Um, and yeah, I I I, I agree. I, you know, I, at first I'm thinking, oh, this kid's got a little homerism going on. That Youngstown State. But, um, <laughs> the, the, the Ohio feeling, the <laughs> yeah, Ohio feeling. exactly. But, uh, um, no, I, I agree with you. The Mac, Mac football is definitely an excellent brand of football, and Syracuse they're gonna have to get together because right now they're playing like a Mac team. They're playing. They're not playing like an ACC team right now at all. They do not look like one. They haven't looked like one for a long time. And if they do not get it together soon, they will catch another loss at the hands of Central Michigan.
0: Here's what I think could happen against Central Michigan. Central Michigan is a first-half scoring team. They've scored 37 of their 75 total points on the season in the second quarter. Syracuse is a first-half team as well. You saw them fall apart, and we can call it that, falling apart versus Middle Tennessee State in that second half. I know Dungey got hurt. There were some factors there, but let's be honest. When you're vanilla, you're throwing to one receiver all game, and your rushing attack is not up to par. That's what's going to happen. You're going to fall to a mid-major conference team. Now, Central Michigan has outscored their opponents 75-54, and they've outgained their opponents by about 200 yards this season, about 230 yards, so... Their offense is pretty high potent for a MAC team, and they've played already a Big Twelve team, and they went on the road and took care of business last week. So, if Babers and his staff does not figure this thing out, you could be looking at something similar next week against Central Michigan.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's, I mean that's absolutely. I, I don't know what exactly they plan to do because. You know, they had a week to figure out this Russia game. You know, they couldn't run against FCS opponent. They couldn't run against Middle Tennessee State. And I have no reason to believe that they would run the ball against Central Michigan either. So let's assume that that's going to be out of the picture. So let's just address this passing attack first. Steve Ishmael has 13 catches. Yep. Irv Phillips went for seven catches and I think 36 yards. You can't go missing Irv Phillips. You got to come back. Get out of the stands. And Irv cannot go missing. If there is one piece of this puzzle that needs to come back, it's Irv Phillips. Because if he's not here, the Syracuse team is, is not going to – they're not doing anything this year. So I need Irv Phillips to pick it up. I need – if Jamal Custis is healthy, I need him to come back. I, I did like what I saw from Devin, Devin Butler, though, when yeah. he came in, five. I think he was a great change of pace, uh, good athlete. When I saw him play, he, he, he looked like an athlete more than a receiver. I think Syracuse needs that right now. Um, especially with, if, if teams are figuring out a way to get Irv Phillips out of the game, they might see him as uh, maybe a more important piece than Steve is because last year Irv was one of the best options for Dungeon on third down. Yep. So you get Irv out of there, now we're struggling on offense, trying to find a second and third receiver. I think Devin Butler might be that option. So Babers has, definitely has some work to do, and, and also on special teams. we got to find a returner and um, pump return.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Special teams I thought was pretty – Lacking. Yeah, Sean Riley, he had a poor game. Sean Riley isn't a punt returner. You know, there's a difference in how you return punts and how you return kicks. He's, not a, he's an excellent kick returner. He's not a punt returner. And Steve Ishmael, not a punt returner. you got to find somebody. And I would try Devin Butler, try some of those secondary guys, but you got to find somebody who can be productive there because if you're not making plays on offense, you got to find a way to steal some yards back on punt returns so you can uh, try to recover some of those first downs that you're lacking off on during the game.
0: One more note about this Central Michigan game that I want to make. I mean, when I say they beat Kansas, I mean they beat Kansas. Uh, their quarterback, Shane Morris, 28-37, to 37, 467 yards and five touchdowns against the Jayhawks. They had two wide receivers catch eight passes for over 140 yards each. Mark Chapman, their leading receiver, eight catches, 168 yards, three touchdowns against kansas now i know it's against kansas but still you had secondary issues against middle tennessee state you had some secondary issues against central connecticut state of course injury happens but you got to figure this thing out because this team is going to air it out against you and you cannot afford to lose this game going one and two and then you got to head to baton rouge i don't want that on my resume if i'm dino bavers you know i'm
1: very afraid for the rest of the schedule um Central Michigan, I, I've still – even though Syracuse took a loss yesterday in the middle Tennessee, I still feel like they can get a win here and get out of this one and head to LSU and go ahead and take that quick loss and get into ACC play. But – Games like these, man, it's, it's it's tough to recover from because there, back That we used to, I think we had LSU come in in 2015, and, and leading into that game, we were trying to go 3-0. I think there was like the fourth game of the season as well, and everybody wanted us to beat, I think it was Maryland that got us. Um, we lost to Maryland. And the whole city was disappointed, like, oh, man, we really need that 3-0. We almost got the uh, – the. oh, no, I'm sorry, that was 2014 going into, into Notre Dame. And the entire city was just really excited to go undefeated into that game because it was an opportunity for us to become ranked, and then that would have just been a national spotlight, and it would have just been really cool for the city of Syracuse. Um, we ended up losing to Maryland, right? And I can't tell you how deflating it was for the team because we all really – even and I think fans underestimate this the players and stuff we we buy into that too like you know some of the stuff going on on the outside um as far as you know wanting to be undefeated going in certain games and what kind of storylines are following us and what we could be on if or where we could be if we win this game so to take a loss like this one you know players know they know that this schedule is tough and that to get the six wins that, that you have to win particular games so when you lose Impact games like this one, it deflates you to the point where now you're almost uncertain of what you guys can do. And when you lose that confidence, you know, the confidence that they just got from Central Connecticut State, that's when the losses start to string together. And what I'm afraid is that they start to string together the Central Michigan laws, and then they get the LSU laws, They're not going on the road and beating NC State. And now you're looking at 3-19. and
0: mm-hmm. I'm looking at this Central Michigan game, and with the schedule coming up, this has to be a must-win contest. you got Central Michigan at home. Then you go to Baton Rouge to play LSU. Not an easy feat. You start your conference schedule on the road at NC State, and then you come home for Pitt, which NC State and Pitt, winnable games. Is that easy to say now. And then look at this. Versus Clemson, defending national champs at Miami, at Florida State. Two very difficult games. I thought you could start off 3-0 and against Central Connecticut, Middle Tennessee, and Central Michigan. But now it's looking like with confidence and with trends and with the way that we see this team unfolding, with its one-dimensional offense and its questionable secondary and um, some issues up front, we could be looking at one and two going into Baton Rouge, and, and that spells danger for Syracuse.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, especially uh, not even just the the win-loss category, but you start to doubt what games Syracuse can win now. You're not even sure where this team is anymore because you expected them to be good enough to win those first three games. And with those wins, you start to get a little confidence. It's like, okay. Well, they did this well. They did this well. They should match up with Pittsburgh in these ways and be able to win. They should match up with NC State in these ways and be able to win. So you think the matchups start to work in their favor. Now we're seeing against the middle Tennessee State team that they, what matchups can Syracuse win? Where do they, now in going into this week, you have to start asking what is Syracuse better at Central Michigan at? Because it doesn't look like very much. Defensively, they they had a good game in the first half. I'll even say the first three quarters, and then fell apart in the fourth. And that I will say was a little bit tiring. But they still gave up thirty points. Um, You know, and and on offense, they didn't look very good. I don't know what the receiving core was doing this week. Um, Not named Steve Ishmael. Yeah, not named. And I'm not even even Steve Ishmael. Get better. I I need everybody to continue to improve. Steve Ishmael is getting fourteen catches because the offense calls for it. It's because they're throwing the ball fifty times a game. You know, so I'm 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 sorry, but I don't respect the that's like Golden State winning a championship. I don't respect it because you got Kevin Durant. You, you know, there's certain factors in there that water down certain achievements. And the way that Syracuse throws the ball and the way they tempo it, I, it's not the best 14 catches for 130-whatever yards. So I need more from this this receiving court. Stop the drops. You can't let Middle Tennessee State corners cover you because Central Michigan is, is – just about the same talent wise at corner, mm-hmm. so I need I need more from them, and I need more from Dungie. You know, get off of your first read and make plays. I can't. This offensive line needs to improve. I think that's where it starts with, honestly, the offensive line because everything seems to start there with the run and pat pass coverage. Everything is it's, it needs to improve.
0: The last point I wanted to get to before we go to some player of the week discussion here is the fact that Eric Dungy did go down with an injury and came back into the game was not as effective after he came back. But are there any effects that are going to leak into this game next week versus Central Michigan? Because at this point, like we're talking about, you got to be ready to play. And if your quarterback is ailed and he's not 100% and he's still suffering from effects from an injury the week before, That's got to spell some concern as well. It does get hit dead in the chest. What was his injury? He just got hit in the chest, right? Was it the wind knocked out of him? Was it concussion? I don't think he was in the concussion protocol. No, he didn't get
1: hit in the head. I'm pretty sure he just got hit dead in the chest. (laughs) <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't mean to laugh there but yeah I'm pretty sure he just got hit in the chest. He just got to eat that one and get up after the play. I've been hit in the chest and I, I was out for 3 games. So yeah. so um you know I I commend him for uh getting back into it. Um but I mean honestly I I need stop worrying about Dungy at this point and the injury stuff cuz it's getting annoying at this point. Do you, Like the run he had, I think it was he had a long touchdown run. I think it was for 40-plus yards. You take the good with the bad. So if he's running the ball and he's risking himself, you know, I'm okay with that because he seems to be the only thing that can get this offense going as far as running the ball anyway. So I'll take that. And then, what, we're going to the third game. If he gets hurt, you got DeVito. You're going with DeVito at this point. So everybody wants to see him anyway. So if he's out, he's out. I don't mean to be negative in that kind of light, but you know, I, I think that worrying about Dungey and the injury stuff is mute at this point because this team is losing the Middle of Tennessee State, and they need to figure do whatever they can to win games. And Dungey
0: gives them the best chance to win when he's running the ball. As far as Player of the Week stuff is concerned, I mean, Steve Ishmael was the Syracuse offense yesterday yeah. on Saturday. 14 catches, 116 yards. No, no receiver recorded a touchdown, but if you look at this offense, it was Ishmael with 116 yards, and the next leading receiver was Irvin Phillips with 36 yards. So we can confidently say without Ishmael, this offense is practically zero against Middle Tennessee State. Defensive-wise, I look at a few players. I think Jonathan Thomas had a fantastic game. Yeah, he did. Seven total tackles, two of them for loss, an interception, a pass breakup. Without his efforts, I mean, Zaire Franklin had seven tackles. Evan Foster had six. So that, that linebacking core played very well for Syracuse. But the secondary is still suspect to me. But I, Jonathan Thomas, I would give a defensive player of the week honor to him. Yep, and I second that. Jonathan Thomas, you know, I've
1: actually been on him a little bit, you know, of the, of the three linebackers. I always felt like he was um, the weaker link. I always felt like he kind of was replaceable. Great job by him in pass coverage. He dropped into his zones forced the quarterback into bad throws. Uh, the defensive line helped this linebacker group out, filling up gaps, and they made a lot of plays. Like, I loved everything that the linebacker group did as a whole, really. They came to play. And JT coming back off that suspension, you know, that's a game he needed to have, too, to prove to his coaching staff that, you know, I deserve to play. I need to be on the field. So, if we can get that kind of effort from him throughout the season, I think this defense is going to be in great shape. Secondary wise, yes, hate to criticize. Those are my boys, that's my group. Form position, but yeah, got to get more from secondary. And then, you know what you I've been saying, I think the same thing about the secondary for months now, and it's not the players I think anymore. And it's not, it's not, I'm not going to say it's the coach either, but it's the, the scheme itself. The Tampa two doesn't work at the college level. The hashes are too wide. And I, I start, I, it kind of clicked for I'm at it did because, like, I'm trying to explain to people how everything works and why it works the way it does. And it just kind of clicked from, like, this defense just doesn't work. And, not, not and it's not because of the function of the players. It's just because of the, the, the dimensions of the field. It, the field. The hashes are wider in college. You know, so when you have wider hashes and then you're playing a strict zone coverage, the zone, the gaps become bigger. And it's harder to fill those gaps unless you have super long players at every position, and that's that's hard to recruit. Not every player, not to gas leaving myself, but not every player has like thirty four inch arm. Like you're not going to find that everywhere. <laughs> like that's, that's rare. So um, you have to have long players in that position, and most teams don't have that. It's hard to recruit it, and. To be honest, most most teams don't even run cover two because of that that issue. You, it's it's hard to find a way to shrink those gaps at the college level because the hashes are so wide and the field dimensions don't allow for it. I think the only reason they really run it is so that the offense gets a look and can kind of throw against it. I don't I don't know what how long Coach Ward has been running it, but back at Bowling Green State, um, this defense never ranked high and never ranked above the top fifty, I believe. So. Yep. I, I, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I'm sure it's fun to play in. You know, playing zone coverage is kind of relaxing for a DB, but um, relax doesn't always mean productive.
0: Well, we know this Orange team has work to do. Uh, you got any final thoughts as we head out of this podcast, Julian? Poor. Just,
1: just poor. That's, that's the best word I have for Syracuse this weekend,
0: poor. If you're going one word, then so am I. Lackluster. It was very lackluster. It was very vanilla. The offense. It was one dimensional, one sided. You gotta, you gotta have some guys step up. You need Moniel. You need your receiving core to step up. Other than Steve Ishmael, um, or else we could be in danger here. Looking at one and two uh, next week. The Orange versus Central Michigan at the Carrier Dome for Julian Wiggum. I'm Corey Chris, and signing off. Troy News is an absolute podcast. The Orange fall to Middle Tennessee State, thirty to twenty-three.
1: At Jared.